Thank you for listening to this message from Flow Church, a brand new church plant in the city of Melbourne, Australia. We pray that this word will help you experience and express the goodness of God in every sphere and season of life. Are we doing sermon titles in this church? (laughs) Because I don't know if Sam has used any sermon titles, but I've got a title if you want a a title for this morning. Um, And the title is 99 Problems. 99 Problems. Um, so if, you, if you've got one of these pieces of paper on the back of it, um, we've got our passage for this morning, which is from Luke chapter 5. We've been going through, we've been sort of going through the book of Luke this year. Um, and we've also, those of us who've been following our church's reading plan, we've been, um, we've been reading the book of Luke sort of in our, in our own time. Um, and so I'm just going to read this passage to us, or I'm going to start reading it. So... Um, Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 17. Um, One day Jesus was teaching, and a Pharisee and teachers of the law were sitting there, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof. Whoops. They went up onto the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Okay, so have we got have are we picturing that? Have we we are, we're following this so there's a paralyzed guy. He's got some really good friends who are they're helping him get to Jesus. Jesus is preaching inside a house and these people, they can't get him into the house because the crowd is too thick and he's paralyzed and so he can't maneuver through the crowd. So they climb up onto the roof and they lower him down on a mat down into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus, right? So he's got some really good friends, basically. Um, and, and so then in verse 20, Jesus sees, sees them and, when, and it says in verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, my friend, Mr. Paralytic Man, I got you, bro. Don't worry about it. My friend, Mr. Paralytic, can't walk. You're stuck on a bed. You're bedridden for who knows how many years. Just, you just want to walk. You've got all these friends who can walk and you're so envious of them. You just really, you know, today is your day, Mr. Paralytic Man. Don't even worry about it. Today is your lucky day. I declare to you, your sins are forgiven. Okay, on with the sermon, talking about um, seeds and fields or whatever he's talking about that day, right? And we kind of want to go, what? (laughs) Like, is that it, Jesus? Um, It's kind of one of those wait what moments in scripture. So like the, the Pharisees, they have their own wait what moment here, right? The Pharisees have a problem with what has just transpired, right? Uh, But before we can talk about the Pharisees' problem, we kind of need to just deal with our problem with what's happened here. And I would summarize our problem as, what about the paralysis, Jesus? What are you going to do about the paralysis? Like, he's come, he probably wants healing, and then you just forgive his sins. Is that it? What about the paralysis? Um, 
And it's not like Luke isn't setting us up for disappointment here a bit, because first of all, like in verse 17, at the very beginning of this story, it says they had come from, no, it says, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick, right? The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So we're like, okay, so this is a healing story, right? Um, This is one of those, we're in the genre of healing story, right? Um, And then, uh, and then Luke just beats us over the head with the fact that this guy is definitely paralyzed. Like his paralysis is very much a focal point of this story. Like you can't miss the fact that he is paralyzed, right? Um, and then Jesus just says, your sins are forgiven. And the paralytic is probably saying, I guess I should have been explicit. <laughs> I guess I should have explicitly asked for healing maybe. Um, One of the things I love about Jesus is that he is just constantly saying the wrong thing. He's just, he just always keeps you guessing because he's just always, he just, he just seems to be on a completely different page from everybody most of the time. And you just, you just never what, you just never know what he's going to say. And this is not an isolated event. This actually makes me think of a, um, another passage. It reminds me of another passage also in Luke, which... Um, whoops, got to deal with technology now. Um, so there's another passage in Luke chapter 18, which I'll just read for you. Um, and it starts at verse 35, if you are following along. Um, so uh, Luke 18, verse 35, I'll just read this. Um, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging when he heard the crowd going by, he asked, hey, what's happening? And they, they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people who were leading the way, they rebuked him. And they're like, be quiet, blind guy. Um, and, but then he shouted all the more, hey, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops and he orders the man to be brought to him. And when, and when he comes near, Jesus says, and what it says here is, what do you want me to do for you? Is there something, is there something I can help you with? <laughs> like, and the guy's like, yeah, I'm blind. Like, can you heal me for my blindness? And Jesus is like, yeah, okay, sure. I can heal you of your blindness. Um, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Um, and it's kind of like Jesus reminds me of one of those really annoying siblings um, that just takes everything you say technically and literally, where you're like, hey, sibling, could you pass the salt? And they're like, yeah, I could pass the salt. Are you going to pass the salt? Oh, you want me to pass the salt, do you? Oh, oh, sorry, you didn't ask explicitly if I could pass the salt. Yes, I would like you to please pass the salt. Could you please pass the salt to me, please? Um, It kind of seems like Jesus, sometimes he just only does something if, if, if he's asked directly and explicitly and specifically. But that's probably not quite what's going on, is it? Um, I don't think Jesus is just being a smartass. Um, <clears throat> the thing is that, and this, this is probably the main point of my sermon, so if you need to leave, you can leave right after I say this. Um, um, it's just the thing is that when we come to Jesus with our big problem, Jesus looks at us and he sees 99 big problems. And he just wants to know, which one of those do you want me to help you with? 
Like, which, which one of those things do you want me to fix? Um, he's, he's a lot less like an annoying smartass of a sibling, and he's more like a really good car mechanic who's, who's got a trained eye for cars, and you drag your car in, and it just stumbles into the garage, and it's got everything wrong with it. It's got a, a wheel missing, the tires are all flat, there's, you know, there's dents on all the panels, there's a crack on the windscreen, the handbrake doesn't work, the gears are on all backwards and drivers reverse and reverses drive and everything, everything is wrong with this car and it's a complete mess and the mechanic's like, can I help you? <laughs> like, is there something, what do you want me to do with this car? Where do you want me to start? Right? Um, and Jesus is looking at us and he's like, there's so many things we could work on here. Where do you want me to start? Which thing do you actually want to help with? Um, COVID. Are you guys ready for a COVID-related illustration? <laughs> have there been too many of those? Um, so, rat tests. Have, have, have you guys bought that rat test that um, it comes with one of those UV lights? Have, any, have you guys had that one? Um, we haven't all had it, but basically it's, you know, it's the same as in any other rat test. You, you, you swab, you stir, you drip, you wait. You wait 15 minutes and you come back to the thing. I don't know what this thing is called that's lying on the table. And you can't see the result with the naked eye. You have to shine this UV light onto it to see the result, right? Um, so I just bought one of the, I just bought that brand of test. I didn't know that it comes with a free toy. Um, <laughs> It's like the grown-up version of a toy in a cereal box. Um, I'm just going around pointing this thing at everything. It's awesome. I'm going around the house. Um, I'm new in this. You know, I moved into my apartment a couple of months ago, so I'm just pointing around seeing what I can find. I don't know the previous tenants. Maybe there was a murder. Who knows, right? Like, it would be cool to see what there is. And I didn't find anything like that. Uh, and so then I took it upon myself to go into the bathroom and to uh, close the door, turn off the lights, look into the mirror, and shine the UV light on my face. <laughs> and, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm not, I'm not taking the Lord's name in vain, I'm praying, because there are just so many things I'm seeing here that there is so much going on in my face that I did not know about, and that I feel very compelled to go and have a chat with my GP. Um, because Did you know that like blackheads, they glow orange in UV light? At least mine do. I don't know if they're supposed to, but like there's just so much going on. And like, and so we've got an, an optometrist in the room um, or an, ophthalmolo an opto ophthalmologist. Well, anyway, Alex Tan, he can explain to you how this, he can probably explain better than I can how light works and how our eyes work. And the thing is, like, there's, you know, in the universe, there's this very wide spectrum of light, right? Um, from low frequencies to high frequencies. And our eyes, they have, you know, photosensitive um, cells in them, I guess. I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop looking at you. Um, <laughs> um, basically, our eyes are sensitive to light, but, and, and we interpret the light as information in our brain, but our eyes are only tuned to see a limited range of those frequencies, right? We can't see the whole spectrum of light. 
Um, and so a UV, a UV light, an ultraviolet light, it reveals things to us that our naked eye can't see, our naked eye wasn't designed to see, but they're there. They're very much there, and they're, they're just as real as, as all the other stuff that we do see in our normal life with our naked eye. And that's just one of the ways, just by way of illustration, that's just one of the ways that we are so limited in our perception that God is not, right? God sees, God sees the whole spectrum of light. God has x-ray vision, right? I don't know if x-rays are a kind of light, but... You get the point. Um, but God sees everything, you know, he see, and he's not, even, he's not even limited by having a point of view because we all have a point of view. Um, this is a bit deep, but like we all have a point of view because we're limited into one point in space. We, we, exist, we're, we're, um, we're, we exist in a point in space and so we can only see from one angle from our angle, from where we are. But God is everywhere, and he sees everything from all angles, all at the same time, right? Um, we literally can't even imagine what the universe looks like to God. We just can't. We're not capable of it. Um, we see everything from our perspective, but God sees things as they really are. And, and it's not just with his eyes, for the zoom, I'm doing air quotes on eyes because he doesn't have eyes. But he's not just his eyes, but his heart and his mind are tuned to see things as they really are. You know, and and so if you could see yourself like that, just imagine everything you would actually see. Because um, there's just so much going on in us that we're probably not even aware of. Um, and so... I say that to say Jesus, in this story about the paralytic, he's not being a smart ass. Um, as I said, it's just that we come to Jesus with our, with our, what we think is our one big problem, and he looks at us, he sees 99 big problems, and, and he's like, what do you want me to do? Because I could do anything. Um, and there's a lot to work on. <laughs> and and, and we, um, we might think that the answer to his question is obvious, like, Yet, duh, I'm paralyzed, like, or I'm blind. Um, fix that. But maybe the answer is not so obvious to Jesus. Because, you know, the things that we assume are the most important are maybe not the most important thing to him. Maybe not at the top of his priority list. And so, uh, with that... Um, Got my we're going to my first point. All of that wasn't points. None of that was points. That was all introduction. And now we've got first point, okay? So the first point on that is the, the issue. So we've got a, a million problems. Jesus could fix any of them. And point one, the issue that we think needs dealing with is not necessarily what God wants to work on right now. The issue that we think needs to be dealt with is not necessarily what God wants to work on right now. The first, thing, the first thing on your mind is not necessarily the first thing on his mind. Um, his timeline isn't necessarily your timeline. His priority list isn't necessarily your priority list. His value system is not necessarily our value system. And hopefully, 
you know, we're all getting to know God better and our, our value system is, is more and more reflecting his value system, but none of us are there yet, are we? Um, and so I'll tell you a story um, after I take a drink. Um, uh, a few years ago, I, I was in a place in my life where I was just struggling. Like, I was, I was sort of kind of struggling with everything um, and just struggling with, like, life, um, particularly in the area of career. I was, I, I was struggling to find success in my career, and I was... Um, it just didn't feel like... It felt like nothing I was putting my hand to was really having fruit, really succeeding. Um, and it was a struggle. And I got to the point where I was just... I just praying to God and I'm like, okay, God, what is it that I'm not doing that you want me to do? What am I not doing, God, that you want me to do? Um, and then God said, oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and I said, whoops, I shouldn't have asked this question. <laughs> um, this is a dramatization, by the way. This is, I don't want, to, I don't want you to have the impression that that God and I just speak audibly or verbally. It's not like that with me and God. I don't hear from him audibly. If you do, that is amazing, and I want to hear your stories. But um, it's a dramatization. Um, but it did happen. <laughs> but so, so I'm like, God, what, what am I not doing that you want me to do? And, and God's like, okay, give more of your money away to the poor. Um, what did he say? He, was, he said, um, find more ways to orient your life around helping the needy. Um, find, someone who has a, some, find someone else who has a dream and help them realize that dream. And I was like, God, that is not what I meant. <laughs> and he said, I know that's not what you meant, but that's my answer. Because <laughs> um, the thing was, he, he was just on a different track to me altogether at that point. You know, like, I, his, so his answer, it's, he wasn't saying be more generous as a means to help you in your career. It wasn't, it wasn't like the answer to how to, you know, figure out your career and get better in that. It was just like, be more generous just because that's what I want you to do. You know, that, that was just the track that he was on. That was his agenda. That was his priority list. To him, that was the thing that was most important, most pressing in my life at that moment, according to God, you know? Um, and it, my career felt very pressing. It felt very urgent. But, but the issue that we think needs dealing with is not necessarily what God wants to work on right now. Um, let me balance this out for a second. Um, it was like balance this out a little bit because I don't want you to um, have the impression that um, what I don't want you to hear today is God thinks you're an idiot and all of your prayers are stupid, okay? That's not what I want you to walk away with today um, because if it matters to you, if something matters to you, it matters to God. That's true. That's the truth. If, if something matters to you, it does matter to God, no matter how small or seemingly insignificant it is. But also, God wants to grow 
what matters to you. He wants to expand what matters to you. He wants to, he wants to go deeper, deeper into the issues beneath your issues, and he wants to go wider. He wants to awaken, um, he wants to awaken you to what's going on in your world and expand your heart for others, you know? Um, and he wants to get you to realize that maybe, and this is hard, this is hard, um, maybe, the, maybe the biggest issue in your world right now is not your problem, but it's your neighbor's problem. Maybe the biggest issue in your world isn't even your problem, and it's your neighbor's problem. And that's hard because, some, you know, maybe like you're going through so much and it's really hard and it really does feel like everything you're going through is the whole world. But if you just look up at what God wants to do, maybe it's not about you even. Maybe it's about sending you to, to someone else who has a need, you know? Um, and that, you know, if it matters to you, it does matter to God. Um, that needs to be remembered. But he, he wants to grow what matters to you. Um, so that's the first point. Um, yeah, if uh, the issue that we think needs dealing with right now is not necessarily what God wants to work on right now. Um, as with the paralytic who he thought he needed healing from his paralysis, but then Jesus had something that he seemed to think was more important. Um, and so that brings us to the next point, which is we want God to prune the branch. He wants to pull out the root. We want God to prune the branch. He wants to pull out the root. Um, so in this story, we've got a paralytic man who's come to Jesus for healing, right? He definitely wants healing. Um, and what does Jesus do? He forgives his sin. He forgives his sin. Why? Why does he do that? What does the one have to do with the other? Well, I think it's that Jesus is wanting to pull out the root um, rather than prune the branch. Um, but what does his sin, what does this man's sin have to do with his paralysis? What does forgiving his sin have to do with his paralysis? Well, the answer is not, the answer is not that the reason this man is paralyzed is because he did a sin. It's not like his paralysis is some kind of punishment for something that he did at some point in his life that was wrong. That's not, that's not how it is. Um, it's not that the sin... Sorry, it's not that his sin is the root of his ailment, but it is that the sinfulness of humanity as a collective is the root of all ailments. Okay, um, I'll just say that again because this, maybe this is like complicated. It's not that his sin is the root of his ailment. Jesus directly rebuked that idea in another story in the Gospels, right? Um, it's not that his sin is the root of his own ailment, but the sinfulness of humanity as a collective is the root of all ailments. So uh, we've got another passage here. It's Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. And I'll probably read it in a second. But basically, according to the Bible, particularly, specifically, Genesis 3, sin is actually the root of all the problems in this world, right? Um, all sickness, all death, all suffering, poverty, 
um, war, injustice, sin is at the root of all of it, right? That is actually the Bible's explanation for all evil and all suffering in the world. It's that basically it's because of humanity's rebellion against, against the kingship of God, right? God is... God made the whole world, he's king of it, and humanity rebelled, was like, no, we don't want you to be king. Um, and we decided to abandon our relationship with God and try to rule this world apart from him. We're supposed to rule the world, actually. Um, that's a cool thing that the Bible says. Um, but we're supposed to rule with him. But we decided to try and rule the world without him. And, and outside of him... Without that connection to God, everything is cursed. That's a, like an awkward word, cursed. <laughs> we don't like that word. We prefer to talk about brokenness or fallenness or something. But actually, you know, right here um, in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, um, I'll just read this since we're here. You know, uh, the, con- the, the backstory, God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, everything was awesome. And God said, do whatever you want, eat whatever you want. Just don't eat from that specific tree right there. Just don't eat from that one. And then they they ate from that specific tree right there and um, ruined everything. And so it's uh, God then speaks to Adam and says, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to the dust you will return. Um, we actually had an Ash Wednesday service on Wednesday, believe it or not, um, where we had like a prayer night and we put ash on, e- on each other's foreheads um, to signify and to recognize this exact verse right here, um, that we are dust and to dust we will return. What that, what that means is that we're going to die one day. We're going to die one day. And it wasn't meant to be like that. That death, that's, that's part of the curse of sin. Um, and all the hardship, all the suffering, all the difficulty in the, in the whole world all comes from this, this, this curse of sin. Um, and, you know, yeah, we don't, we don't like the word curse, so we don't really talk about it in church. But, um, but actually, I think if we just look around the world, it's, it's not that hard to believe that there's some kind of curse. Like, I think in the past, in the, in the past few years, um, the idea that there's just some kind of curse on the world is is actually increasingly palatable and increasingly resonant because we've tried to fix things. We tr- no matter, and no matter what we try and do, it just doesn't seem to fix. Um, and so I've done something very dangerous. I brought up Genesis chapter 3 in the middle of a sermon that is not about Genesis chapter 3. Um, and so, you know, maybe this brings up all kinds of questions for you. If you're not as familiar with this story, um, maybe this, it just raises all kinds of questions and they're good questions and they're worth asking and there are answers to be had to those, but that's not what we're going to do today. Um, so maybe some other time. I bring all of that up. I bring all of that up to basically to, because... Um, the rest of the Bible, 
Everything from Genesis 3 onwards is a response to Genesis 3. Um, the rest of the story is, it's, it's the story of God and his plan to restore what was lost and to fix what was broken in Genesis 3. It's basically God's plan to, to heal all the suffering in the world. Um, and I, um, and so to cut a, a long story short, um, it turns out that the solution to all of that is forgiveness. The solution to everything that's wrong with, with the world is actually that we need God to forgive us um, so, that, so that we can be reconnected with him. And that's actually what everyone needs. That's the thing that is actually going to fix the world. Um, and so I say all of that to, to try and give you a, a, a fuller, maybe a richer picture of what's going on when Jesus, in this Luke passage, when he forgives this paralytic man's sin. When Jesus forgives this guy's sin, he's actually saying, everything Israel has been waiting for, for this whole time, for literally thousands of years, everything Israel has been waiting for, I give to you right now. I, I lift the curse from you. I release you from that curse. The, the very thing that is at the root of all the problems in this whole world you have been released from. That's massive. That is huge. That's insane. Um, and that's actually something we all get when, when we all share in that when we, when we uh, become followers of Jesus, right? We get released from that curse. Now, let's do some expectation management. Um, that does not mean that... Um, that, uh, you know, for this paralytic guy, it doesn't mean that his life is problem-free from now on. It doesn't mean that he's never going to get hurt again, never get sick again. It doesn't mean that. What it does mean is that a new trajectory has begun for him. The curse of sin um, is no longer what determines his future. The curse of sin no longer has the final say in his life. And God is... God is doing something to, to set the whole world right again. And he gets to be part of that because his sins are no longer being counted against him. Right? And all he wanted was to walk. All he wanted was to just go for a stroll or something. Um, and, you know, hopefully walk the rest of his life. But he got, he got so much more than he bargained for because he came to Jesus wanting... Um, Jesus to prune a branch, but Jesus put out the whole root. He uprooted the whole thing, right? Um, and so in our lives, what is it that you're asking God to fix where he wants to go deeper? What is it that you want God to fix where he wants to go deeper? What is it that you're asking him to cut off some branch and he actually wants to go down to the root and pull out the whole thing, right? Because um, we want Jesus, let's say, maybe we want Jesus to um, fix some money problem we have. We want him to provide. Um, and, but, but he wants to talk to us about our financial habits. And he wants, to talk, he wants to talk to us about our whole worldview about money, maybe. And he wants to talk about our trustful obedience in the area of our finances. Or we want healing for our cold or flu. 
Um, and Jesus wants to talk to us about our sleeping habits. Because those are connected, right? Um, a lot of us need help with our sleeping habits. I sure do. Um, or maybe we want Jesus to fix our loneliness. We want him to send a friend. But Jesus wants to talk to us about our friendship practices. This is so huge, actually. He wants to talk to us about our, our um, commitment to investing in friendships and to consistently engage in community. We want him to just send a friend, but he wants to talk about these long-term things. Or maybe we want him to fix something in somebody else, and Jesus wants to talk to us about our patience and about our forgiveness and about our grace. And if you feel attacked by any of those examples, don't worry, they're, they're all just from my own life, right? Because um, I've learned, I've learned and I've found in my own life that God generally wants to go deeper than we do, right? Um, even if it means letting a few surface things slip past the goalkeeper, God seems to be pretty chill about a lot of that stuff. Like sur surface things can be important, but God seems pretty chill about, about letting some of those things go, <laughs> those short-term things, if it means he can get to the root of the issue and if it means that he can um, you know, cause um, lasting change in us. Because for, for God, it's, it's about the long game. It, rather than fixing some momentary issue um, that we have right now, God is really interested in getting to the root of the issue and changing something deep down beneath the surface so that we can have lasting fruit that will bless us for the long term, right? So that's, that's the second thing is that um, we want God to prune the branch and he wants to pull out the root. Next point, I don't even have a name for the title for this next point, but um, we can finally read the rest of the passage because I've only read half of this passage, right? Um, so in verse 21, um, so Jesus has said in verse 20, friend, your sins are forgiven. Um, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they begin thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking. And so he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and, and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Okay, so why are the Pharisees so upset about this? The Pharisees are upset about this because they're not stupid. They know what Jesus is doing when he says, your sins are forgiven, right? Because they know that that's something only God can do. Only God gets to do that, right? And at this point in the story, people don't necessarily know that Jesus is the Son of God, right? They, that's something that Jesus kind of, 
hints at and reveals like slowly over time, they don't all know this. And, and the Pharisees, they don't want to know that, right? They do not want, they're, they're not having it, right? And so, and so, um, so they're pretty upset. And, and Jesus, um, so basically, this is one of those passages where Jesus is revealing or claiming or at least hinting at his divine identity, right? And, and the thing is that what Jesus says then is in verse um, 24, he says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and walk, right? So, Jesus heals the paralyzed man, but there's a so that for the, for the healing, right? He heals the paralyzed man for a, for a purpose, for some greater purpose, right? Um, and so, here's a general thing. Here's a general thing that's interesting about the Gospels. Um, the Gospels, they, they often um, use the language to describe, the, to describe Jesus' miracles. The word that they often use, especially in the Gospel of John, but kind of just all throughout the Gospels, they use the word signs. Jesus' miracles are signs. Um, and the thing about signs is they're not the thing. They are not the thing. They point to the thing, Right? That's how signs work. Um, no one has ever gone on a big trip on a plane to go and just look at a sign. Okay, the world, world history is a long time. There's a lot of people. Everybody's different. Maybe that's happened a few times, right? Maybe there's a handful of people in the history of humanity who have gone and traveled by land and sea um, to, to see a sign. But generally, that's not what we do, right? Signs signs help us to get to the thing. They point us to the thing. We use signs to get to the thing, but the signs are not the thing, right? Um, and so, I just wanna say this morning, whatever it is that you're praying for, whatever it is you're asking God for, whatever miracle it is, don't get so caught up in the miracle that it becomes the thing, you know? And I think maybe there's Maybe there's people who need to hear that this morning. Um, don't get so caught up in the miracle that it becomes the thing. Because imagine the, being the paralytic guy, and he, he hasn't been able to walk for however long, and now he can walk. That would feel like the thing. That would feel like the main event of that day. Oh my gosh, I can walk. That's amazing. Um, but Jesus considered it a sign to something greater. He said, it's so that you can know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, right? Um, and so, again, the miracle, it's important. Whatever it is that you're praying for, believing God for, it's important. It matters. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Um, but it's not the thing. And we need to know that in case we don't get it, because if... If it's the thing and then you don't get it, then what? But we also need to know that it's not the thing in case we do get it because there's nothing worse. Like, okay, the only thing worse than someone who, does, who doesn't receive their idol in life, like there's something they've made an idol out of and they don't 
it gets taken away from them or they don't, they don't receive it. The only thing worse than that is someone who does, who does get their idol in life. Because when, you, when something is your idol and you have it, you possess it, it's a lot harder to realize that it's an idol. Um, and so we need to know that the miracle, it's not the thing in case we don't get it and in case we do get it, right? Um, and yeah, it's not that these things don't matter. Healing matters, justice matters, peace matters, prosperity matters. Um, but ultimately, these things are signs that point to the source of all these things, the provider of all these things. And he is the prize. He's the prize. Um, okay, and now I've got one more thing to say, and then we're probably going to sing. We're gonna, I want to sing that song again, um, I Surrender. Probably you can just head up now, Dave. Um, and get ready for that. Um, but so, one more pretty pretty quick thing, and that's just that, um, so Jesus, he starts with what he thinks is most important. He, he forgives the man's sins, but then he still, he still heals the paralysis, right? And um, the point is, God wants to do more, not less. He wants to do more. He doesn't want to do less. So it's not that, He's coming along and he's like, no, your prayers are all wrong and I'm not doing anything that you want. Um, let's do this instead. It's more like, yeah, okay. Um, I see. I hear that you're, you're asking for this, but also let's do this. Let's talk about this thing that's actually maybe more important, right? Um, so God wants to do more, not less, because he's kind and a generous God, right? And even when our agenda doesn't align with His, He will, sometimes He'll add our items to the list just because He knows they matter to us and He cares. Okay, so that's it for this morning. Um, 99 problems. We come to God with one problem, but He sees 99. He sees a million problems. Jeez, there are just so like when we actually, I was actually just in the car this morning praying and reflecting, and I was just thinking about my problems. I'm like, geez, when I really am honest with myself and I really open up to God, my gosh, there is so much. There's so much to work on. There's so much to fix. And that's a safe thing to think about and talk about because we know that God loves us and that His love isn't conditional on us being fixed. Our being fixed is in the context of already being loved, being loved and accepted. Um, but Jesus, so much. And so the thing, those are the things. The issue we think needs fixing is not necessarily what God wants to work on right now. We want God to, to prune the branch. He wants to pull out the root. Um, and don't get so caught up in the miracle that it becomes the thing. But also, with all of that said, God wants to do more for us, not less. He can do anything. Yeah? Cool. Um, over to you, Tembi. We're going to sing this song, I, Sur I Surrender. And I asked, I asked it to be part of the set list. It was all part of the plan. Um, and so, you know, let's really sing this. And let's take this time to just pray and think about what is it that what is it that we're asking God to do when maybe He has something more that He wants us to do? Maybe there's something under the issue. Maybe there's 
we think that um, there's this big problem that we have and we think that's the biggest issue in our life, but maybe there's, maybe the biggest issue in our life is actually our neighbor's issue and maybe we need to look up and see our world and see what is it that God wants us to do in our world. Let's just ask God, what is it that you want to work on? Cool? All right. Thanks, Tembi. Let's Let's sing this.